I'm sorry, there is children's church, uh, kindergarten uh, through third grade children. They may be dismissed for children's church right now. you would take your Bible and turn to 1st John chapter 4. 1st John chapter 4. I've entitled the message this morning, Making an Impact Like No Other. Making an Impact Like No Other. And you wonder how. How could that be? Well, really there's only one way to make an impact like no other, and that is through God's love. Yes, John is uh, bringing it out again for us. He's going to tell us, love one another. You've heard it already. And I want to bring this out for your your thoughts here. You know, um, a baseball player never gets really tired of uh, going to batting cage and, and swinging the bat. A golfer never gets really tired. You know, if he's a professional golfer, he's going to go out and practice his swing. What does he do? And, you know, things like that, same thing for a Christian. You know, we ought never to tire of hearing of God's love and that he calls us to love one another because that's the mark of a Christian. Okay? That's what Scripture lays out. Um, Francis Schaeffer, a long time ago, Francis Schaeffer wrote uh, a number of books, but one of them was made into a little tiny book called The Mark of a Christian. And he did a study on John chapter 13. And that's the idea. You know, people wear crosses or they wear jewelry. And uh, the idea is that really, that's nice, but that shouldn't have to be the mark of the believer to wear something. The mark of the believer is to love. Love God and love one another. And so, making an impact. I want you to stop and think here for a second. Who it is, or who it might have been, that made an impact on your life. Think about it. Who's made real significant difference for good in your life? And then the idea is that we would take it and say, how can I then be making a difference in others' lives? And certainly you and I can. Certainly. And you are. You are. If you're Christian, if you are keeping your eyes on the Lord and you're loving God and loving one another, you're making a difference. You're making an impact. And that's the idea behind our passage. I can't help but say here this morning as an example, it's my wife that's made an impact on my life. And my wife has done more than she realizes in my life, in making a difference in my life. Her counsel, her support of me, her love for me. I love to see her smile. I love to hear her laugh. And that makes a a, a big impact and difference in my life. Her music, yeah. (laughs) Lindsay, I I need to learn that part because I always wanted to play next to my wife. She's played that 
with a lot of different people, but, uh, oh well, I can't quite make that happen. <laughs> so, who's made an impact on your life? And it might be that it's an event that's made an impact on your life. And I, I can't help also but just add in real quickly here the, the huge difference that this year and what's happened in our lives has made such a, an impact in thinking on Sarah's passing to be with the Lord Jesus and to, to remember her cheery attitude and outlook her contentment in tough times her strength and her perseverance that that's that's just made such a a major impact and difference in our lives. And your rallying around us as a family and loving us and supporting us and praying for us, um, that is huge. Undergirding us and all of us through it all, it's the steadfast love of the Lord. That's We sang it, uh, the second song we sang. And Brennan's uh, uh, reference to Psalm 103, you know, that's, that's the neat thing about seeing the Lord working. Uh, I didn't ask him to read that, and yet that's a, that's a great reference to what we're talking about today, Psalm 103. And, and the Lord's love, his compassion, like a father has compassion on his children. That's what makes an impact. That's what makes a difference in others' lives. And that's what God can do in you and I as we love Him and love one another. We'll make a big difference in the lives of other people. So our passage today helps us to do just this, make an impact on others like no other. Okay? Because it's for eternity. As we do this, as we think and and learn and grow in loving God and loving one another, it's for eternity. It's got eternal value. If we get that in mind more and more, it's going to help as we go out in this day and through this week. I don't know what you're looking forward to this week, what you have in store. It might be that you're really not looking forward to what you're having to deal with. Or it might be that you're looking forward to it, whatever it is. God wants to use us to make an impact in the lives of other people. And see, I've grown up in this society, and most of us have. We've grown up in this way that says, hey, come on. When are you going to bless me? You know, give it to me. I want, I want to receive. I'm, a re- you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a giver, I'm a taker. That's kind of the thing in, in life that we see. And God has called you, Christian, to be... A giver. And in the the big, huge way, it's with love. So we get started on this. And if you want to uh, follow along with your outline that's in your bulletin, um, I made two changes under point number one. So I need to correct that right now and let you know that under point number one is not uh, no matter blank. It's rather the, the presence of love. So you can scratch out the subpoint, letter A, number one, letter A, and, and write in the presence of love. And while I'm at it, uh, subpoint number B, or letter B, is the absence of love. 
Okay, so those are our two subpoints there. Everything else is set for our outline. <clears throat> we start here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Follow along, please, in your Bible. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay? And here, to start with point number one is, we see the priority of God's love. The priority of God's love. And it's given um, at a pivotal point. It's given again. This issue of loving one another is given again at a pivotal place in the letter. It's, and it's, it's connected with verses 1 through 6. Verses 1 through 6, we're saying, hey, Christian, you need to test the spirits to see if they're really from God. And if you think through that whole issue, you know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know how we can get really spiritually arrogant when it comes to stuff like that mentioned in verses 1 through 6. Yeah? You don't have that problem? (laughs) You don't have that little temptation there like i i i got the corner of the market here on spiritual stuff and whew, you know i know the way and you better come to me and check that out with me i'll let you know well he john is understanding of it john has a a wisdom and an experience so he brings in this idea of saying okay yes we have to test the spirits we have to have discernment but you remember this you love one another love one another and so he reminds us, it, it, it's really loving one another in all situations. And he presents the Christians who are reading this letter with two basic observations, or two realities, if you will. And the two realities are what I gave you already. Letter A, the presence of love. It's in verse 7. Let us love one another, for love is from God. There's the source. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So he's figuring that there will be a presence of love. Everyone. And you know what? He's not, um, he's just throwing this out saying, everyone, whoever, whoever loves, they're born of God and they know God. And you think, wait a minute. I thought there was supposed to be all this stuff attached to this about, you know, the right things to believe. And, And John is just kind of throwing open the doors. Hey, everyone who loves is born of God. Well, we're going to find out. He gives a little condition later on. We'll find out what that is as we continue on here. So, the idea of making love to one another, loving Christians, is a priority. And it shows that, you know, it's from God himself. Love is from God. You see that in verse 7. And it also shows, secondly, that I am born of God. If I love one another, if I have love for other Christians, then I'm... That's, the, that's what the tendency is there. It's saying that you're, you're born of God. And you know God. So to distinguish this priority of loving, of, of loving God even more, I'm sorry, the, the priority of God's love in our lives, say it that way, to distinguish this priority, John gives a second basic reality, a second basic observation, that is the absence of love. 
just throws out the contrast. And he says, here's the absence of love in verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's like, it seems like he's just making it almost too simple. And, and what he's done here is he's taken the, the phrase and, and just done a flip-flop with it, in, a, in essence. Notice what his observation begins with. Look at it. What does he start with? He says, everyone who loves is born of God. And then he says in verse 8, but the one who does not love, that's what his observation starts with. It's an awareness of who's loving or who's not. This is important. That's what he looks for first. So that's what he's saying is the priority. The priority of God's love. And he takes a very simple and direct approach. Whoever loves, that's what? Action, behavior. And typically what we found in our society, now what is it? It's not, it's not according to you know, John's test. It's more about, oh, I met this guy and boy, he really knows a lot. And so I'm impressed with what he knows. What's, John doesn't give us that test. That's a part of it. That it's not to rule out what a person knows or doesn't know. But it, his priority is God's love. He's saying, the one who loves, he's born of God. He knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Interesting. And so, because God is love, Christian, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> Reflect that in your life. Reflect it. Follow after it. Track after it. Because it shows what it's like to know God when we love one another. So, do you see and understand how we've gone after uh, we've gone with this kind of an opposite view. We put a higher uh, priority on other things rather than on loving one another and loving God. And really, I get away with it. Others get away with it. With saying, with, saying, with lip service that, oh, I'm a Christian. And yet, the demonstration or the behavior of love is lagging far behind or maybe it's not even there. If it's not there, what does John say? He says the person doesn't know God. You can say all you want that you know God, but if love is missing, John says you don't know God. Let that sink in, Christian. So this test that he gives is designed to draw out what specifically is your life's priority. That's why we say, here's point number one, the priority of God's love. Point number two, he lists the proof of God's love. The proof of God's love. And here, he, we would like for him to give us a definition of love because he said, whoever loves is born of God and knows God. 
So John, give us a definition so we know. But he doesn't give a definition. He gives a definitive proof. Two definitive proofs of God's love. Okay? Look at verse 9 and 10. By this, the love of God was manifested. What does that mean? Manifested is made visible. It's made clear. By this, the love of God has been made clear. It's been made visible. What is that? That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Point, uh, sub-point number one here, under number two. Number two is the proof of God's love. And letter A is the Son's coming. The Son's coming. That's what he says here in verse 9. God loved us and His love was manifested among us. And it still is. His love continues to be manifested among us because what? He sent His Son into the world so that we, Christians, might live through Him. Not to live for ourselves, but to live through Him, through Jesus. Now, our key word, fill in the blank key word, is only begotten. Only begotten. Some of your translations have kind of done a little shortcut on this that does not, repeat, does not help us. The better translation is like what the King James or the New American Standard says on only begotten. That's the word there, only begotten. And the reason why it's the key word is because uh, we've got some spirits, some teaching going on here in our community and across the United States that say, well, like Jesus became God's son. And so you too can become, you know, your own God. Wrong. That's where we come back to God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Critical word there, folks. And what is this? What does it mean? It implies, only begotten, implies uniquely God's Son. Only one of its class. Okay? There's really, there's no other like Him. Theologian Benjamin Warfield, they uh, gave him the initial, you know, his initials are B.B. Warfield. B.B. Warfield says this, the word only begotten, conveys the idea not of one's descendant or of subordination, but of uniqueness and constant... I can't even say it. Consubstantiality. Consubstantiality. Oh my goodness, what's that? It's one's substance, one's essence. He continues on saying... Referring to Jesus being all that God is and He alone is this. That's B.B. Warfield's idea of this word only begotten. He goes on to say, The significance of this word relates to these three areas of theology. Number one, His being, His nature, uniquely God's Son. And secondly, the revelation of God to man. God came to man. 
Jesus, the God-man. And number three, that salvation is through the Son alone. No other way. No other way. God gave us a uh, related picture of this in the Old Testament in Genesis um, regarding Abraham and his son Isaac in the area of birth. Okay? Isaac was an only begotten of Abraham. And you say, wait a minute, Abraham had other sons, didn't he? Yes, he did. Abraham had other sons, but no one like, say it, Isaac. No one like Isaac amongst his sons. And that was a picture of Jesus yet to come. God sending his only begotten son into the world. Okay? Now, we need to remember that unlike Isaac, you know, Isaac, you know, here he was born. Jesus had an existence prior to his birth, right? Jesus existed before he was born. That's, there's the miracle of the incarnation. So, John continues and presents a second critical proof building his case even stronger by stating the proof of God's love is in letter B, the son's crucifixion. He says, not that we love God, not that we love God, but that, see it in verse 10, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And I'll give you one guess what the key word is for verse 10. Only one. Okay? Propitiation. I have a hard time saying that one too. Propitiation. And it's, it, it's already been directed into your bulletin that there's a definition of propitiation. Okay? It's the, the word used expressing the means of forgiveness. That he, it is the turning away of wrath by an offering. The offering was Christ himself and his shed blood. There had to be shed blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So when John says that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, that means nothing else but that Jesus took the wrath of God. Jesus took the wrath of God. For us. For all sinners. And he died on the cross. For guilty sinners. But listen. If you're here this morning. And you've heard these words before. Let me say this. Listen. It makes no difference whatsoever. Unless you have it applied to your life. You can have it in your ears. And in your brain. And be familiar with it. But if you haven't. Had it applied, it makes no difference whatsoever, and you are lost in your sins. And what difference does it make? Where's the impact of this? Only as you come to faith in Christ, only as you put your belief in Him, only as you trust in Him fully for your salvation, will this make an impact. Until then, 
you'll keep wandering around. You know, if you go to church, great, but it's not going to make any sense, really. You'll be thinking like, well, I'm doing a good job for God climbing ladder. You will forever climb a ladder and never have peace with God. So the proof of God's love is in the son's coming that he's the only begotten son of God, the only begotten son of God. And secondly, in the son's crucifixion in that he was the propitiation for our sins. How does it take effect? (laughs) Very simply, my friend. If you're here and you don't know if you're really going to go to heaven when you die, it's very simple that you admit your sin. You ask for God's forgiveness. Ask for His mercy. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And then you confess with your mouth. What? That Jesus is Lord. I just gave you ABC. Very simple. Have you done it? Have you come to know Jesus Christ? If you're taking notes, you want to mark down Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And so, we move to point number 3, verses 11 and 12, and John just has to say it again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So here's the priority of God's love that we talked about in verses 7 and 8. Here's the proof of God's love, verses 9 and 10. And verses 11 and 12 shows the practice of God's love, the practice of it. He said this kind of same thing over and over. Love one another, love one another. And this helps us to kind of lay it out in front of us to say, here's... Here's now where the practice comes in. The practice of God's love. That's where we need to be truly Christian. We all know this, the phrase, talk is what? Talk is cheap. And John is saying this to you, Christian. He's saying talk is cheap. He says, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He's just, con- he's continuing with it. And so he says, here are three helps to ensure practice of God's love. Letter A, practice is initiated by love's example. Initiated by love's example. Beloved, if God so loved us, think about that. And You know, we can use this passage to think about God's love for us. But you know what? You can go to other passages and see how God loves us. Because guess what, my friend? It's it's all throughout the Bible is his message of how he loves, how he extends grace to you when you don't deserve it. And yet he continues. The, the verse that we read here in verse 11, if you look at it, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we could also translate that saying, Beloved, since God so loved us, there's our example, and we witness this in every sector of life and society, 
We can witness it in, in the home, at school, at church, at work, at play. It's about example. You've got to love this quote from Mark Twain. Few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. Just can't stand how good my my wife is, or what you know that kind of thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, it, it's like here's a here's a good example, and here's the impact that it makes. Warren Mueller wrote this back in 1990 of a study that if moms and dads attend church regularly, is back in the 1990s that 72% of their kids remain faithful and continue to go to church. If only dad attends, 55%. If only mom attends, children's attendance drops, or faithfulness of attending church, drop to 15%. If neither goes, it drops to 6%, according to this study. The example of parents and adults is more important, get this, than all the influence of church and Sunday school. Do you understand that? And see, most of us grow up thinking, oh, just take your kid to Sunday school. Great. Let the church take care of them. Good job. No, that's wrong. That's foolish. Because God's not going to hold us primarily accountable He will hold churches accountable, but he's going to hold moms and dads accountable primarily, first and foremost. And while I'm at it, grandma and grandpa, one of the individuals that made a great impact on my life was my grandpa. And so you, grandmas and grandpas, there you go. Another example of how you can make a difference because of his love. Because of God's love. Letter B. Practice of God's love increases with love's exercise. Verse 12. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. Why in the world? Why does John say, all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, no one has ever seen God? I don't get it. I believe what he's saying is, if you, Christian, are exercising love for one another, guess what? There's going to be glimpses of God on the scene. Okay? Not that God's going to show up as as a manifestation before us, but the love of God practiced amongst... God's children will demonstrate and display God. So, with that ongoing exercise of love, love for one another, it's evident that God abides in us. That's what he says there in verse 12. God abides in us. Especially as, you know, we see it. If there's, here's love for one another. Now, isn't this to be the norm for us as Christians? And so every day, 
because I, I can say this, oh, it's supposed to be the norm. What's the matter with you? <laughs> but the problem is that all of us have this problem. And so it gets back to every day. What are we going to do, Christian? Every day we need to be abiding in Christ. He said it all sorts of ways. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and the truth shall set you free. And so that emphasis comes right back, right back to us again. Let us see. The practice of God's love intensifies love's effect. Love's effect. You see it in the last part of verse 12. And his love is perfected in us. And that word is the word tilios, which means to be, you know, it's, it's like perfect. And so how, how do you, who's got this down? Who's perfected it? <laughs> well, in our day and age, we, we kind of figure it's, oh, it's perfect. It's without sin. But the idea behind this is it's the idea of completing preparation or bringing something to its goal. It's the idea of fulfillment, accomplishment, carrying out something. The idea of love's, that practicing God's love intensifies love's effect. It's also the idea that it brings forth love's excellence we see it more clearly love's excellence you know when this is tracked along with when when christians truly do what god says it's it's a great difference i still remember back in the early uh, i'm sorry the uh, 1974 1973 74 I still remember how people loved one another when I was a 19-year-old and I watched it and I saw it and I saw the difference in their lives because of the things that I was doing in my life at the time, it was like a bright, sunshiny day. And in my life, I was all clouded up and messed up. And God, through the, the love of other Christian people had an impact on my life. Is that what you want? I think I, think I know the answer. <laughs> I think I know that everyone here that comes regularly, you know, believing people, that's really in the depths of your heart, that's what you want. And you know in the depths of your heart, that's what God wants, is that you and I would be having a a great difference because of his love because of his love directly specifically but my friend i want to i want to wrap it up with this i want to go back over some of these verses and i want us to think is love present in my life i want to make a difference is love present in your life the way that God, de- you know, described it? Is there a sacrificial kind of effort of love in your life? Is there a desire to say, Lord, use me as your instrument in the lives of others? Because if there's not, then John says, 
you don't know God. Have we failed the test? Now, I don't want to leave it that way. It wouldn't be a good speaking or good pastoring to leave it that way. Because God wants to see you grow and mature to make a difference in this life. Let us love one another because love is from God. God's given you today is another opportunity to what? To love. Here's, here's a closing example. It's from uh, the life of Jesus. Can you imagine what it's like to have leprosy back in the day, back in that day? Look here, look at me. Leprosy was incurable in, in that day and age. Leprosy ate away at your skin. It was not only a disease, a terrible disease, but it was ugly to look at. And you were sent off and, and away from everyone else because why? It's highly contagious. And, and you know, it, there's a tendency for you and I in our day and age to be kind of smug towards it because, well, I, you know, I'm not like that. I want to compare you to being someone with leprosy. I want to compare you and I to that man who for who knows how long had been separated from his family, separated from people because of leprosy. And you know what he did? He ventured in to where other people were. He wasn't supposed to do that. And he cried out to Jesus, what? If you are willing, would you heal me? You know, and Jesus heard like only Jesus can hear. And Jesus turned around and came. And what did he do? He touched him. He touched him. Now, Matthew is clear that the touch did not heal him. It was Jesus' word. But you know what? There's something to that touch, wasn't there? Because Jesus knew what this guy had been through. And a lot of times, I just I read that story. It's not that long. Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 5. It's not that long. Just a few verses. But you stop and you, you let that sink in. The whole idea of him being just discarded from society. You probably notice, I, I enjoy giving people a hug. My family, you know, that was the way it was in our family. And there's, there's connection there. There's touch. And somehow, 
I'm not trying to suggest that, you know, oh, we're a lovey-dovey church. because No, it's just this is the way it is. And it goes beyond that to a, a deeper love that we want to display. Defined, if you will, described by the Word of God. Here's what God tells us. And we need, we need His uh, help in, in following through today and through this week. Let's learn more from the Master, the Master of love, our Lord and Savior Jesus. Beloved, if, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another also. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time and thank You for Your Word. Seal it to our hearts. Help us to walk in faith and obedience to it and not to just have it go in one ear and out the other. Lord, as James said, we want to be doers of the Word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. And let us pay attention to the test that John gave us here. That when there's love, there's evidence of being born again and of knowing God. So, Lord, we pray that you would have your good work accomplished here. Help us, Lord, to remember that we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in, in me, and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And we praise you, O Lord Jesus. Thank you for your sacrificial death. Thank you for your ongoing amazing love and grace. Help us to walk out today in the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.